wonderful. We are part of something incredibly exciting, and I hope you're feeling it. I hope you're feeling it. I love when you lean in. I love when you respond like that. It's so helpful because, you know, when we're in a conversation, as girls especially, we're like, oh, oh, this is working. Okay, let me carry on on that note. And then it's like, oh, wow, I seem to be boring everyone in the room. Let me be quiet. So I'm going to stop if you're like, mm, all right, thanks. That was fun. I'll go and sit down. But if you're still into it, then I'm still into it. Is that okay? All right, so let's talk together. Let's be sisters together. I don't want to be on my own up here. I don't know if you noticed, but when I opened up the evening, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, so, so, so welcome, everybody. And I don't want to be nervous. I just want to be with you. I just want to be with you, and I want to be together, and I want to do something that's flipping incredible here in Durban. I want to be part of the great company of women. This sisterhood was birthed out of this verse, uh, Psalm 68. It says, God Almighty declares the word of the gospel with power. Do you know what the gospel is? It is the good news that the victory has been won. So he's coming in as a victorious champion, and he says, it's okay, I've won, it is done. And guess who tell? The warring woman deliver its message. That's what it says. I didn't change it from man in the Psalms. It says the warrior woman, the warring woman deliver its message. And in all different translations, they don't quite know how to say it. They say the woman who deliver the message are a mighty throng or the warrior woman are a great company. The idea is those army boots under the, under the dress. The idea is those women marching in and saying, we declare, we declare Durban, we declare women in slavery, we declare declare, sick child, we declare that the victory is won. We have heard it, and we know it, and we will declare it. Guess what, women who have been oppressed? Guess what? The conquering legions have themselves been conquered. you've heard in history of Amazon warriors, but there's quite a lot of myth and legend around Amazon warriors, that they were these mighty women warriors of old, that the Greeks, I don't know if you've ever read Greek mythology, but in just about every story, if you want to be a Greek hero, you have to conquer a warring queen. <laughs> you have to fight against this queen, and if you beat the queen, then you are declared part god, <laughs> not even man anymore. So those are these, these heroes, but there was all these uh, strange thoughts as uh, the, things got lost down history, and um, some historians said, we think uh, a maison, the name comes from, because they had to cut off one of their breasts. A means without, maison could sound like milk in uh, some languages, so he says, I think that's where the name comes from. They had to cut off their breasts in order to fight their bows. If they wanted to fight like men, they had to cut off their breasts and become like men, and they were all and they hated men and they killed their boy children and that was the, the story that got passed down for a couple of centuries and just recently 
They've actually uncovered a whole lot of these graves of these uh, Amazon warriors called Scythians by the Greeks. And they've discovered that these women, by the way that they were buried and by the communities and by the artifacts that have been buried with them, were in fact incredible warriors. Their bones showed uh, injuries and, and, and battle wounds as well as strength and stature. But they were buried with people that they loved. They were wives and they were daughters and they were sisters and they were mothers. They did not debreast themselves, but they had learned how to fight. And so today, I've called, out, called us the breasted warriors, those that do not have to mutilate ourselves, those that do not have to become something that we are not, those that do not have to change what God gave us, change that maternal heart, change that ability to nourish and feed in order to be a warrior that we can be breasted warriors. And there has been kind of a rise as these archaeological discoveries have been made of movies like Hunger Games where they show a girl to be incredibly strong and yet, did you notice she's not dressed in almost nothing and she didn't pay 50,000 rand for those boobs. (laughs) She doesn't have to be this weird sex symbol in order to be strong. She's just herself in that movie. And there's been this rise of girls that say, We can just be ourselves, and we can find strength, and we can be breasted warriors. In in that scripture, though, that I just read to you, it says, the women of God are left to gather the spoils, and it carries on to say, come out. Come out from hiding. It's over. The fight is over. And so many of us have heard these stories of strength, and we've seen these statistics of slavery, and we're in hiding, and we're like, God, it's been hard on women. God, it's been hard on me. And God, I'm not sure if I can come out. And he's saying, the victory has won. The victory has been won. You have been set free. And yet, some of us are really afraid to walk into the freedoms that God has given us. The freedom of taking off your mask, you have that freedom. Have you walked into it yet? The freedom of being yourself, you have it. Have you walked into it yet? The freedom of believing the words of God over your life, you have it. Have you walked into it yet? There is spoils to be collected. There is inheritance to be walked into. And this evening, I want to help you to know what your inheritance is. I want you to know what those spoils are. I want you to know that the victory has been won. And I want you to breathe in strength tonight. I want you to breathe in courage tonight. And by the time you leave here, I want you to be ready to get what it is that God has got for you. A couple of uh, years ago, probably about four years ago, uh, I was at the beach with some of my kids. uh, uh, And my youngest was maybe two or three. And we live uh, near Glen Ashley Beach. Uh, it's got quite a steep beach. I don't know if many of you know it. The bank runs into the ocean. Uh, it's, it goes downhill like that. And then there's quite a big um, dip, a trench. And the waves are very violent there. And there's a strong pullback. Sorry, this shirt is clearly irritating me. You all good? You fine? All right. You also fine? All breasted warriors? All good, yeah? All right, perfect. Okay. <laughs> Try to leave it alone now so I don't irritate you. Um, and so we were there, but we don't get to swim at that beach because it's very dangerous. Uh, and you'll easily get washed away, specifically not with children. We would never swim there. And so I was there at the beach with my kids. They were building sandcastles. And our little two or three-year-old, he was standing just where the waves would break and have a big mess and then go Woo, up just 
five centimeters up and he was standing with his ankles in the water and uh, I was filming him and he was, the waves were coming up and down and he was playing, you know, kids are so cute, you just want to film them when they're doing absolutely nothing, but anyway. Um, and with that, a massive wave came right up the beach that was nearly as deep as him and knocked him off his feet. And he did not realize that he was in danger. He just started sliding down the bank and thought he was on a water slide and going, look at me, yay. And I realized that he was, if, if he got to the trench before I got him, I was in big trouble. And so I tossed my phone and just ran. We all dressed in clothes and just ran for him. And I was too late. It was a very big wave. It knocked it actually washed my phone away as far as I'd thrown it. And by the time I'd gotten to him, uh, he was completely underwater, being pulled away. And I just ran into the, into the waves, and the waves came. And uh, I, I saw him through the water. And I saw him looking at me through the water. I could see his little eyes, and he reached out his hand. And I reached out for him, and our, fingers, our fingertips touched before the next wave hit, and he was pulled out of my pulled out of my reach. Uh, That, if you know anything about the ocean, an entire set of waves came in, and we were both dumped again and again and tossed around. And after maybe two minutes, the set finished, and I stood up in the water. It was calm in that moment, and there was an area about the size of this room, calm and covered in white foam, and Titan was nowhere to be seen. I looked out and I thought, God, I need to, you have to help me. I've I've lost him. I've I've lost my son. I'm I'm gone. He's, there's absolutely no, I know how the ocean works. And I just, I said, I'm going to stay out here until I die out here. And I just started walking through the waves and land on top of him because my arm wasn't strong enough. I had to hold him with my strong arm, and this shoulder just went every time I tried to stop myself from landing on him. And after this happened again, and we would get dumped on the beach and pulled back and dumped on the beach, and I just didn't have the strength to do what I needed to do to walk him into safety. And I saw some fishermen on the beach, and I just shouted out to them, and I said, I'm not strong enough, because they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what I was doing. And they realized, they heard me after the second time, and they came, the second time that I shouted, and they came running into the ocean and grabbed both of us and walked us onto the shore. And I think some of us know that God can do an incredible miracle. The miracle of bumping into my son, the miracle of delivering what I'd hoped for into my hands, unbelievable. And yet I didn't have the strength to walk it through. I didn't have the strength to play my part. God did his part, a ridiculous miracle, and I didn't do my part. 
And sometimes we find ourselves in that position, I'm so tired of having hope, I'm so tired of coming to a meeting like this and hearing, God's got this for you and it's all free and it's all gonna be great and the war cry moment is great and we're all like, yay! And I walk out into my life and I'm like, God, I, I don't know how to walk this onto the sand. I don't know how to walk this into freedom. I don't have the strength to get to where I'm supposed to be. And for me, I was just not okay with that. I was not okay with that feeling of knowing that my son could have breathed a lot earlier, could have been saved a lot quicker if it weren't for my weakness. And it started me on a journey. It started me on a journey of what I called Project 40 because I was a few years out of being 40. And I was like, right, this is it. I am now going to train my body and my mind and my soul and my spirit because I'm so tired of having hope that's deferred and hope that's deferred and promises that aren't fulfilled and words over my life that I never realize. I'm tired of it. I'm walking into them. I'm going to now start training for the hope that God's giving me. I'm going to start now walking myself into the freedom that has been won for me. I'm going to walk out from the hiding, and I'm going to go and claim foils on the battlefield because I'm tired of not being strong enough to have what God has already bought for me. Does it sound like I'm shouting at you? <laughs> Psalm 18 says, by David... For by you, I can run against a troop, and by my God, I can leap over a wall. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze, for you equip me with strength for the battle. God accredits, David accredits God with his very strength for trying to climb over a wall. Now, I don't know how many of you can still climb over a wall, but it's like not the easiest thing in the world when you're not 12, you know what I'm saying? And he accredits God with saying, no, God doesn't just train me in the spirit. God trains me in all of it. God makes me strong. David won incredible victories, and he was like, but God, it wasn't, well, God won the spiritual side, and then the rest was all up to, he's like, no, no, God trained my arms. Have you ever seen a bow's, a bronze bow? You have to use all your weight. You have to like grab it here and down here to be able to hook it. He's like, yeah, I can bend a bow of bronze. I've trained for this. God has trained me for this. I'm trained for strength. And this is what I want to walk into. Who wants to believe the words over the you? You say I'm strong and say, yes, amen. Will you train me for this? <laughs> I want to be strong and I accept your word over me, but I'm going to need some work, God. <laughs> I'm going to need some work if I'm going to have spiritual strength. If I'm going to have strength of mind, if I'm going to have strength of body, I'm going to need some training. Will you walk me into strength, God? Will you walk me into what you have for me? Some of you know, probably most of you know, that it wasn't long after that, it was probably about 15 months after I started this training, that we had an incredibly, the biggest battle of our lives. When we had a car accident with Kiara and we found ourselves as she was I'm not going to go into the emotion of it right now, but we found ourselves in the battle of our lives as we were told there was no natural way for our daughter to find healing, that there was no natural way for her to recover from what she had been through. And we found ourselves in the battle of our lives, and how grateful was I that my body had started being trained. I was trained with strength. I had stamina. I was able to get up morning after morning and go to the hospital. I was trained in my mind. My mind was trained to believe the truth. I was able to say, thank you, fear. Um, I don't let you in. My mind is trained towards God. I was able to say that my soul, my emotions were trained. No, I won't be over overwhelmed. Yes, I'm in the battle of my life. 
I don't care. I'm, I will not be overwhelmed. I've been trained. I am trained for this. I wrote even in my blogs in those days, I was like, Kiara, you are trained for this, my girl. Self, you are trained for this, my girl. We have been trained for the battle of our lives. And that's what I want to offer for you tonight. Joshua, we're going to take some of our, our reading from him. And in Deuteronomy 1, verse 3 to 8, it says this to Moses was saying to the people, all right, we've been in the desert for long enough now. And he says this, in the 40th year, Acts, because I was going into my project 40, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel, according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them, saying, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain, going round and round the same mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring after them for 40 years around and around the same mountain, hearing the words of God over you that you heard last year, hearing the promises and the freedoms and the things that you can walk into that you heard five years ago and 40 years ago. And God says, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go into the hill country. It is time to take your inheritance. It is not time to talk about it. It's time to take it. And we did that. We prayed together. Many of you, we prayed for Kiara because we were trained for it. And what happened? We got our inheritance. We, God gave us what was ours. He gave us healing. He gave us what he had. We train and we walk in to our inheritance. And since then, if I can just say, I've heard testimony after testimony and experience in my home, in my family, in my community, people who are hearing the hope, hearing the word of the Lord and walking into it. Not just deferred hope. Not just the hope that makes your heart sick but the hope that strengthens you with every step you take into your inheritance. Joshua 1 is when he finally decides, and this is where it happens. Moses has, has died, it's Joshua's turn, and Joshua is the one who's going to lead them into the promised land, lead the people of God into what is now Israel, Palestine, or oh, I'm not very good with geography, whatever it's called right now, but uh, also it's quite compl complicated if you haven't watched the news today to know what it's called, but um, he was going to lead them into their inheritance, and it says this, now therefore arise, go Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, that's the Mediterranean Ocean, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful 
to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice three things about the scripture is that Joshua needs to know his inheritance. He, he maps it out for him. Your inheritance is from here to here to here to here. He needs to know who goes with him. It's God. He promises, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. And he needs to know how to get there, that he has to meditate on the scripture. He has to know the ways in order to know the way. Joshua, we are told, is our is the prototype of our Jesus. It's supposed to be an example of Jesus who was able to walk us into freedom when we follow his spirit. As we follow his spirit into our inheritance, just like the people followed Joshua into their inheritance. It seems like Joshua struggled with that. Joshua, Moses, David, Esther, Mary, so many people, God said, this is us in you. And so many of them said, I'm not sure that you've got the right person. And God said, I say this is what I have for you. This is your inheritance. I'm going to map it out for you, and then you're going to walk into it because you're going to know that I go with you. You do not go alone. And you're going to know that it's by meditating on the Word, by knowing the Word of God, knowing what's yours, and knowing how to be strengthened by it. How do we give our hope? backbone and stop it from being deferred hope? How do we strengthen our spirits so that our hope becomes a conquering hope, a hope that works, a hope that wins in the end, a hope that's not just, we're going to keep hope alive while everything's dying around us, but a hope that marches us forward into what we hope for? How do we have that kind of conquering hope? We start with surrender. We start with surrender. We've got a Labrador, a golden Labrador called Bear. Uh, he's about almost three years old, and uh, one day, many days actually, but one day, the gate was open, and he went running out into the freedom that he thought had been won for him, and uh, as he was running down the road, two or three of my boys went running after him, saying, Bear, come on, Bear, running after him like this, and then the gardener across the road saw that he was, and so they... He was over there, and he turned around, and he came straight inside. <laughs> Don't you sometimes wish that somebody would do that for you, for your mind, and for your soul, and for your emotions, when they're running everywhere, and you're feeling this and that, and you don't quite know what you're feeling, and your emotions are wild, and your brain is going, oh, I must open, I must forget, oh, okay, I'll do it. And your body is absolutely nowhere, saying, I'll have this now, thank you, and now I'm going to sleep, and now I want a chocolate. And everybody seems to be running your life, and nobody surrendered. And sometimes I just wish my mom would live in my house so that she could smack my own bum every now and then. And you just need somebody to say, bear. Get in line.
Jesus told us in Luke 11 that when the strong man, fully armed, guards his own dwelling, his goods are safe. When there is spiritual authority in the home, whatever the spiritual authority is, good or bad, when that spiritual strong man is in the house, he was speaking here actually about a, a demon being in the house, but that spirit that is able to be a strong man is there, everything is safe. Today we're going to be talking about being led by our spirits, that our spirits would be the strong man that guards our houses, that guards our souls and our minds and our bodies and says, get in line, get in line. Because our spirit is connected to the Holy Spirit, to the spirit of Jesus, to the spirit of Jesus that is like Joshua that leads us into freedom and we get in line and guess where we're going. Joshua was not originally called Joshua, did you know that? His name was actually Hoshia. Hoshia. Hoshia means salvation. Beautiful name. Beautiful name. I don't know why he needed to be renamed. But Moses said to him, I'm going to change your name before you fought a single battle, and your name is going to be Joshua, which means God gives salvation. It's not just about salvation that's dangling. This is not about hope that comes from nowhere. This is not about freedom and victory that comes from nowhere. This is about God saves. God will lead you into victory. And as Joshua goes to fetch his inheritance, as we go to fetch ours, God saves. We start with surrender to his spirit. And then <laughs> we separate with Scripture. We separate with Scripture. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What is the difference between your soul and your spirit? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever wondered, what is my soul and what is my spirit? You see, the Bible says that we were created out of the dirt, out of the earth, and then God breathed his spirit and we became a living soul. A soul is everything that we are, everything that is our emotions and who we are that needs to be saved, that needs salvation. That spirit of God needs to remain permanently connected. He needs to rebirth a spirit into us. Our spirit is linked to God. Our spirit cannot sin. Our spirit, when you are reborn, when you say, God saves, I want you to save me, you are given a deposit that is the spirit of God to your spirit. And your spirit is perfect. It is beautiful. It is sinless. And it's part of you. It's you, and it's beautiful. And your soul is everything that's connected to the things of the world, to your body, and to your hungers, and your urges, and your emotions, and your relationships, and the people that you deal with. So when I'm having a little something with my husband, I mean, we don't fight at all, especially not last week, and... <laughs> And then I'm preparing this message, not a very helpful combination, just saying, it doesn't help you win arguments when you read the Word of God always. And God says to you quietly, or me in this case, God says to me quietly, so your argument, is it, is it from your spirit or from your soul? And I think, and I think, well, that part is definitely from my spirit, <laughs> but probably the rest of it may be linked to maybe a insecurities and just wanting to like win and 
wanting to have my own way. Like, he's so selfish, and I'm obviously not. And just, okay, I'm starting, and, and I was a bit tired. Wow, a lot of it is being led by my soul. A lot of it is being led by my soul, and this word of God is so incredible because I struggle to tell the difference between my spirit and my soul. In that moment, I'm like, God, I'm sure it's, and then he goes, in your anger, do not sin. Oh, okay. Just a little bit of a, and he says, lay your life down. Oh, wow, okay, sure. You, like, serious about this, eh? And the word of God comes, and it just separates your soul and your spirit quietly, just separates your soul and your spirit. Have you ever gardened? I'm really a terrible gardener. Uh, but I believe that if you want something to flourish, you have to give it space. You have to just move a few things away from it and give it space. If we want our souls to flourish, they need to be well separated. They need to be given space to flourish. They need to be, you need to know where is your soul and where is your spirit. Where is the word of God separating a little bit of soul and spirit so that your spirit can lead you? Because your spirit is connected to God's spirit. Your spirit is able to be strengthened from God's spirit when you give it space. But your soul is connected to everything that is of the earth. And when you are watching horrible TV programs and when you are involved in things that are feeding your spirit, then you're feeding your spirit, um, your soul, I beg your pardon. When you're feeding your soul, your soul is gaining strength when your spirit should be saying, bear, get in line, body, get in line, mind, get in line, led by our spirits. Sometimes when we are pulled around, whether we're in a battle or whether we're just in life, because sometimes right now, life feels a little bit like craziness and like a battle itself, and we're pulled in a lot of directions. In this age of distraction, in this age of everything trying to take center stage, we're pulled in all sorts of directions, and our soul is at unrest. And sometimes our soul seems a little bit like those waves that pull Titan away, and they're just rocking, and they're pulling us in every direction. We have no idea where we can look for ourselves in these massive big spaces, and sometimes we just need our spirit to come because our soul unrest is calmed by a spirit that's tuned in to its natural frequency. When your spirit is tuned in to its natural frequency, it calms our soul unrest. Do you know about natural frequency? So glass, uh, sometimes, you, have you ever heard of glass being shattered by somebody's voice, by an opera singer going, should I do it? <laughs> The worship leaders are going, no, we've just had ear ups, don't do it. If you sing an opera voice, everything has a natural resonance, a natural frequency that it vibrates at. And if you match its frequency, if you match, so a wave goes up and down, and if you match it and match the ups to the ups, they double ups and match the downs to the downs. They double downs, and it can make an explosion. It can literally shatter glass by singing at it. <laughs> and I was wondering if we were all tuned in to the Spirit's natural frequency, and His natural frequency as we found Him was our natural frequency as our, as our spirits led, and we all had that natural frequency, and then we all get in line, and we're all together, and we're the great company of women, and we're leading, and we're talking about this gospel of freedom. I wonder if we don't look a little bit like Joshua's first battle, when they were marching around the walls of Jericho, and all they're doing is marching in time. All they're doing is their natural frequency around the walls one time, and around the walls, and our company of women joins into the Spirit's natural frequency, 
and we just go around the walls, and we just have that little prayer meeting, and we just have that little unity, and we make that little phone call, and we get our spirits in line, and we start training our bodies, and we start actually getting quite strong, and we start realizing that walls are falling, and walls are breaking, and things are shattering, and all we did was tune into our natural frequency. All we did was tune into our natural frequency, and walls can fall, ladies. God is wanting to do something unbelievable amongst this throng of women, this mighty company of women, and we get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it when you tune in to the natural frequency, which calms the unrest of your soul and the whininess of your body and the craziness of your mind and gets it into line. Strengthen your spirit. Strengthen your spirit. My third point for tonight. Have you ever wondered what comes before the breakthrough? Have you ever wondered and looked at people like Zanelle and people who are able to just see incredible breakthrough, look at Kiara's story and say, what happened there? That was so amazing. I wish, and I get literally still three messages a week of people saying, won't you do that for me? This, I hear about every accident in South Africa still to this day. I, seriously, all the time, I have to be careful because it can be quite traumatic to hear these accidents all the time. And I hear people and they say, won't you do it for me? Won't you call on your community? Won't you get them to, to do whatever happened? Will you do it for me? What comes before the breakthrough? Discipline and consistency. Discipline and consistency. It looked like in those early days of Project 40, getting up for a quiet time with God and sitting there and being like, wow, I've got nothing. I'm so tired. And then getting up the next morning and going, oh, okay, I'm awake this time. But this is still pretty boring. <laughs> and getting up the third morning and getting up the fourth morning and getting up the fifth morning and starting to get revelation and starting to get strength. And I take a photograph every morning because one day I'm going to preach a, preach a sermon about 10,000 sunrises with Jesus. One day. I'm on about 1,000. It could take me 30 years, apparently. So hang around. <laughs> 10,000 sunrises with Jesus. And it doesn't just look like that. It looks like dragging yourself off to go for that first run. And then your knee getting a little bit sore and thinking like, well, maybe exercise is not your thing. And you're like, hello, I'm here at church. Can you not talk about your body? You know what? Being weak is also not your thing. God did not make you to be weak. I know that this is rocky ground and that we like, don't touch that, don't touch that. Oh, and you're just skinny, so what do you know? Skinny doesn't mean strong. soul unrest and chaos. And I just said, I'm sorry. I'm a spirit-led girl. I'm not a, I'm not a digital age-led girl. I'm not led by what I feel like doing. Discipline and consistency comes before the breakthrough. 
That's what it looks like. It looks like putting those things into line. When I first started going to the gym, I would run and I would literally be like, okay, this has never been my story. I don't struggle with weight, so therefore I just never went to gym. And as I've had to start doing this and start getting strong, I would only be able to keep running past three minutes if I imagined that I was running tight in onto the shore. And I would run like this and I'd be like, okay, don't think I'm weird. I've just got my baby here. I've got to get him onto the shore. <laughs> and then after a few months, I would start imagining some of you tied behind me. And then if I could just run for five more minutes, I could run you onto the shore. If I could just run for five more minutes, it might make a difference to, to one of you because you would see that I was strong and you would come behind me and you would follow and you would get in line with my spirit and you would follow. We're not just talking about breakthrough for ourselves, ladies. We're talking about breakthrough for the captives. We are the warring women. We are the ones that get to declare the victory. And how can we declare the victory? Sitting with twisted ankles and feeling all weak and unable to do anything? We are the ones that stand up and declare the victory. You know, I've had a lot of battles since then. It has not just been Kiara. I've had to battle for just about every daughter I've got, physical daughters and spiritual daughters, and it's been hectic stuff. It's been emotional stuff. It's been a horrible stuff like that movie that we watched. It's been terrible, and I've been like, I will not lose this battle in this house. We do not easily give up our daughters. In this room, we do not easily give up our daughters. And neither our sons, for those of you here listening, because quite frankly, I will fight for girls or boys. Because I'm part of the church. I'm part of the great company that will walk people into freedom and onto solid ground. But it has to start with surrender. Surrendering to the word of God. Surrendering to what he says about us. It has to be followed by being separated with, this, with the sword of God, separated with scripture, carving off so that we can be spirit-led because, man, the rest of me doesn't lead very well. And strengthening our spirit, training it, giving ourselves into these spiritual disciplines, giving ourselves to fasting so that our bodies will get in line, giving ourselves to silence and solitude so that our minds will get in line, giving ourselves to the ways of Jesus that he's talked about. And it doesn't have to be today and tomorrow. It doesn't have to be immediately. It was Project 40. I had years <laughs> ahead. Not anymore. Okay, I'm 40 now. So... <laughs> I hope I'm strong. <laughs> it's now Project 50 because we're still training and we're going to walk into greater levels of freedom all the time. For by you I can run against a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. For you equip me with strength for the battle. David knew what belonged to him and he didn't stop fighting until he got it the discipline before the breakthrough. I wanted to read you a quote. Self-reverence, self-knowledge, and self-control, these three alone lead to sovereign power by Tennyson. Would you put out that quote for me if it's there? Self-reverence, self-knowledge, self-control, these three alone lead life to sovereign power. Self-reverence is an interesting thing that we don't talk about much these days. It seems almost sacrilege seeing it there in that, in that list. Self-reverence, the believing that God has made you for something great. The believing that your spirit is worth following. The believing that there's something great in you. But you see, if you don't believe it, why would you follow your spirit? 
if you don't believe that it's something great, Joshua, we are told, was glorified before the people. God seemed to be totally okay with glorifying Joshua so that the people would follow him. Look here in these scriptures. Joshua 3 verse 7 says, the Lord said to Joshua, now this is as he's about to go in, today I will begin to glorify you. That is magnify you, exalt you, make you great in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And again, then a few uh, chapters later, when he's done it, he says, on that day, the Lord glorified, he exalted and magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Self-reverence is an interesting thing. Now, literally one month before Kiara's accident, I had a word of the Lord over me, spoken from a number of different people, and then confirmed again in Scripture. Because I was in a prayer meeting, you should always position yourself to hear the Word of God. Make sure that you find yourself in the company of the people who, who are with God. And the word was that I would be an Esther to women. Now, I did not particularly associate myself as being a girl's girl, as many of you would say the same thing. I wonder why so many of us say we're not girls' girls, and we seem to be quite proud of that, that we do not associate with them. And yet, as I went and studied the word that was given to me, it said this. It said, Esther did not associate herself with the people, and her uncle had to say to her, don't think that your fate is not tied up with theirs. Don't think that your fate is not tied up with theirs. And how many of us say, I'm not like other girls. I'm separate from them. I'm different from them. And God would say over us, don't think that your fate is not tied up with those girls that you saw. Don't think that your fate is not tied up with the girl next to you who is struggling to find freedom, to even lose weight because she is afraid of what she will what people will see when she does because she's been hurt. There's so many things that people are afraid of, and we are not those that are here to to point fingers or to separate and say, well, I'm a palace person. I'm a person that does not have this problem. I don't need to worry about that. That This word of the Lord came over me, but I was terribly afraid. (laughs) I was terribly afraid, very much like Esther. I should have read the book, right? Um, And I said, God, And he said, don't try and hit harder. The club is going to do the work. You swing exactly like you swung before. And when I've changed the club, the ball is going to go higher and further. And I felt like God say to me, don't change what you're doing. Discipline, consistency. You've started this project 40. You just keep going. You just keep being consistent. And if I change the club in your hand and it goes further and it goes faster, don't worry about it. You don't need to, you don't need to worry about that. You are literally the glove on the surgeon's hand. The glove like, oh my goodness, I don't know how to do heart surgery. And the surgeon's like, you'll be okay. (laughs) I've got this. (laughs) And I felt like God said this word over me, that that this this Esther business, and the reason why I'm telling you is because it, it it was really frightening. 
And yet, I couldn't walk into it unless I submitted to the concept of self-reverence. And I was like, God, surely not. Self, like, no. And then my soul stood up and started talking and started being like, oh, you just think you're great and you think you're amazing. Well, it wasn't three months later that our next sisterhood, there were seven times as many people. There was 1,400 people at the next sisterhood. And God prepared me with this Esther word and said, don't worry about it. I've got it. You're the glove on the hand. Just come with me. It'll be absolutely fine. But my soul started saying, oh, you think you're so great. You think you're amazing. And then the other part of my soul, because, you know, it's doing this all the time, is saying, you can't do this. You should run. This is not a job for you. You are not cut out for this. And I had to learn how to surrender to the word of God of my life. And I had to surrender to the fact that there was something to revere in my spirit because God had put it there. There was something for me to say self-reverence and then yes, self-knowledge. Hello, I don't know how to preach. Will you please help me and train me and teach me? Hello, I'm terrible at this. Will you help me? And And he started training me. Yes, separating with scripture training me, surrendering to the word of God. There is a word of, the, of God over you tonight, ladies. There's a word of God that says you are strong. And I realized that this word of me being an Esther wasn't just for me. And I met Esthers. I met different ladies, many of them you've heard speak tonight. And I met these ladies that said, I will stand up I will revere what God has put in me. I will say, yes, God, that is a call of God over me. You say I'm strong. You say I'm a Queen Esther. And what is Queen Esther's only job? Is to petition the king on behalf of her people and to go and petition the king. And we gathered these ladies, many of them who were speaking tonight, we gathered yesterday and we prayed and we petitioned and we said, oh God, we identify with the woman. We identify with those who are sitting in sackcloth. What had happened in the story of Esther is an edict had gone out to all the land to say that all the Jewish people, all the people of God were going to be destroyed in one day. And they'd heard the edict and they were in sackcloth and mourning because they were going to die soon. They were going to be oppressed. They were going to suffer. And ladies, I know that an edict has gone out of many of your lives, that has gone over your lives, that has said that there is suffering and there is pain and that you are under oppression and you are under attack. And we gathered as Esther's before the king. And we said, oh God, king, please, our people are in sackcloth. And some of them have covered their sackcloth with pearls. And some of them are sitting in it and in the dust. And they've dropped everything that they have. They've dropped their skills and they've dropped their weapons because they think they have nothing to offer and they think they have no strength. Oh God, would you write a new edict? And there was a silence in the room yesterday as we were praying. As God said, it's done. It is done. I have written a new edict over the women that will be gathering here. And the edict is this you may fight back. You may fight back. The edict goes out from Esther through the king to the people to say, get up and fight back. The things that you've dropped in the dirt, the sackcloth that you're wearing, take it off. The things that you've dropped in the dirt, your skills, your resources, your strength, your body.
same spiritual frequency, and we are going to break walls because we are Esther's. We are not those that need to sit in sackcloth. You are destined to be women of strength. You have got hope with backbone because your hope has a promise. Your hope has a promised inheritance, an inheritance that says your spirit is destined to, to rule over your soul and your mind and your bodies, over your situations, over those who are sick, over those who need healing, over those who need help. You are destined for your spirit to connect with the spirit of God and to say, bear, <laughs> get in line, get in line. I wonder if while you're in your seats, if we can just close our eyes for a moment. Just take a moment to bow our heads and just to acknowledge in your heart and your mind the presence of the one who's here that has set us free, Jesus. Jesus, who has won this great victory for us, the victory that all we need to do is not to fight, even as that song we sang earlier. He goes out and he fights our battles and he comes back and he calls it our victory. To do is to go out and to collect the spoils, to walk into our inheritance that he has already given us. The one who longs to train us and to strengthen us and to stretch us into greater levels of freedom and greater degrees of strength. And I'm going to pray for those who, who want to be trained, who want to give themselves to God and to, who want to ask God to strengthen their spirits. But before that, I wonder if there are any here who have never been given that Spirit of God because you have never followed Jesus before. You didn't realize that Jesus was this King who was able to set you free, free from sin, free from failure, free from shame, free from needing to impress people. You didn't hear this good news before that we're declaring tonight that we're free. And you want to put up your hand and say, I want to be a part of this great company. I want to join in. I want to be free. I want to be saved. I'm still that little boy tired and being tossed around in the waves. And I need Jesus to walk me onto safety and onto solid ground. If there are any here that would say, I would like to become a Christian tonight. Would you, with every eye closed, would you just raise your hand and wave at me? Because I would love to pray with you. And there are also ladies that would love to come and pray with you. Are there any here? Thank you. Thank you. And then if there are ladies that would just like to be prayed for, can we all stand up? There are ladies that would just like me to pray for them, that would just like to raise, in fact, not me. If you would like to step out into the aisles or come up to the front and you would like somebody to pray with you, somebody to fight with you, because we're sisters here and we heard in the video from the little girls and the big girls that sisters get to fight together. Sisters get to tell each other what's going on. Sisters get to walk together. So if you would like someone to pray for you, there are ladies prepared to just come alongside you. Won't you come out? Maybe can use this big triangle area there. Is that okay? You can just go into that area or that area and just stand there and somebody will come and pray with you. But we are going to finish off this evening with celebrating this great gospel, with loving this incredible team. How amazing are they? Is not strong the new beautiful? Isn't it beautiful to watch a lady free? Free is beautiful, ladies.
Warriors. <laughs>